Welcome to another episode of the CC Podcast Conversations, where inspiring Christians share their faith-filled stories. Please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast, leave a five-star rating, and write a review. This helps push our content to a broader audience. Are you new to listening? Check out our other podcasts. First, the CC Podcast Daily Dose Devotions, where we're walking through the Bible, focusing on short clips of Scripture. Second is the CC Broadcast, where our weekly radio programming is archived. These podcasts are available wherever you're listening or at christiancrusaders.org. Okay, let's get started with today's episode. Here's our host, Matt Reister, the Executive Director of Christian Crusaders. Hello, everybody. This is Matt Reister with the CC Podcast Conversations, and Andrew and I are in the office today. How's it going? I like that intro, the hello, everybody. That, that's kind of a different one. <laughs> that's uh, Usually you're a little more, you know, hey, everybody. And hey, what's up? Hello. <laughs> old style radio, Matt. Uh, yeah. I love it. Yeah. The, don't you have an uncle that was in radio or something? Yeah. He, he, was, uh, he was in radio, and he still does professional voice work. So he was the... Um, he's probably got the official voice. Oh, he's his voices are amazing. He, um, so like... Uh, he was the voice of the Las Vegas Tourism Bureau. Sweet. He it was the campaign right after what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. He was the whatever the campaign was right after that. He was the voice for it. Was it Viva Las Vegas? I don't remember what it was, but like he was, he's been the voice for the National Bank of Ireland. He's done like tons of political ones, and it's hilarious because you know we know him, so we. <laughs> he, he he can goof around with us or whatever, but then you you listen to one of his samples and he's like, he's like, Joe Smith has taken money out of the pockets of seniors and given it to special interests, you know, and, and <laughs> like he means business. right, right, nothing, nothing like he ever sounds like at Thanksgiving, right? <laughs> um, but but you know when he really wants to like kind of turn it on, he's it's just this, it's it's like a low kind of serious but but trusting voice you could pull that off uh, maybe but you know I, i've got a face for radio he's got a voice for radio. <laughs> <laughs> today we're going to do an interview uh getting back on topic yeah uh with pastor recap gray recap gray is a pastor of a church down in orlando and he was in des moines for a while we invited him to the cedar falls bible conference this year he's actually been there i think this was his third time since i've been part of the bible conference that was our 2023 Bible conference, our 102nd annual, and he preached three messages. And I'm telling you what, Recap Gray. I mean, the reason he came back is because we love his preaching from before. But this guy's preaching is, I mean, it's world class, mm-hmm. and he's a young guy. Yeah. And uh, he was gracious enough to stick around and do this podcast. But anyone who enjoys this interview, I would recommend that you get over to the Cedar Falls Bible Conference YouTube page. And listen to his preaching. Um, yep. There's a guy named Haddon Robinson who wrote the textbook on preaching that's kind of the standard textbook for uh, preachers in the last 50 years or so. And Haddon Robinson was voted by Christianity Today in the 80s as one of the top 10 English-speaking preachers of the 20th century. And he was regularly at the Bible conference, and he was phenomenal. Not only was his is preaching good in a technical sense and in a biblical, doctrinal, theological sense, but the craft of preaching. Right. And recab's got that. He yeah. can he can preach. He can he does. spin a story. And He's he got can, a bright future ahead of him, and but is is awesome right now. Yeah. Did did we see him at, at NRB this year? Because we were in Orlando for we did NRB. Not. Okay, I didn't. He should have been there. Yeah. That's I, a good point. Uh, well. You know, maybe I would maybe guess another time. This dude's got to be a rising star. Yeah. Um, and not, you know, what's cool is that's not what it's about for him. No, no, no. Uh, he just wants to be faithful to the Word of God, and that's why we love him. But uh, yeah, really, really excited to a know him, b sit under his preaching, and c have this interview. Another yeah. thing that was cool, and I think we re- um, refer to it. I'm gonna get the guy's name wrong. Dejan, Dejan. I think Tejan something. He's got a ment a mentee who okay. travels with him. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he was in the room with us during this interview, and um, it's just cool the vision the, the vision or the strategy that Recap has to bring a young guy under his wing and take him on the road with him, kind of as an accountability partner. Yep. But also as somebody who gets to kind of get behind the scenes and see how this all works because he's training him up and. Yep. And he's doing it at a 
at a young age himself. You know, a lot of times you hear about you hear about succession planning and and that kind of an idea. You know, only when when the guy in charge has one foot out the door. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's a lot of times what'll happen in churches and in organizations. Mm-hmm. You know, you got a senior pastor that's been there forever. That's you know well liked and and dynamic. And then all of a sudden, when they leave, there's this massive vacuum because maybe they took somebody under their wing for a few know, months, a few months, maybe yeah. a year. When they were when the new person's thirty and and the outgoing yeah. person's seventy, um, the fact that he's already it's just kind of a lifestyle discipleship. Yeah, yeah he's cool. uh, that, that's that's really cool and that's a great model. The other thing I'd say about this is I, I remember sitting in the room and recap giving a little bit of a framework for how he puts together a message mm-hmm. and uh, just some of the parameters and the and the guidelines that he has. And this is like, this is a small segment of like a master's doctorate level preaching class right here in this interview. Yeah. So for people who are interested in that, you're going to love that. Yep. I think so. And I think even people who, who, you know, aren't going up and preaching every Sunday, uh, you're gonna. It's he's just such a great speaker. He's just such a good person to listen to. He's one of those people. Uh, I think you could probably listen to him, read the phone book, and it'll probably be okay. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Hey, thanks for tuning in and recap, Gray. Thanks for sitting down with us. Uh, CC Podcast Conversations. Check out our other stuff. We've got a bunch of other great interviews as well, as well as some devotions and some broadcasts. So uh, make yourself at home. And thanks for checking in with CC. <laughs>
really was a, into basketball hoops and that was my idol and um some things switched up in terms of our us moving and didn't get to go to school i wanted to go to and i felt like distraught in my life and i'm like man if if losing just a piece of basketball or my dreams about the specific place i wanted to play basketball means this much to like ruin my summer um then it means that my purpose is wrapped up in something that is actually not permanent and so i just cried out in my room um lord if you're real uh give me purpose in my life and uh, i'm just gonna say what my grandmother used to say uh jesus save me and um i just cried out and immediately when i said those words man uh i felt welled up with the overwhelming sense of my sin um for the first time cried for the first time without a belt to my butt uh just, <laughs> just staring in the mirror man and uh and then like almost simultaneously man felt overwhelmed with grace um and peace from the lord i got hungry for the scriptures uh i my, my dad was Is a bible like dude age 15 age 14 so uh, put pause on yeah. i got hungry for the scriptures i want to go back then yeah um and you just were saying your dad's a bible dude so yeah. you, you grew up with some kind of spiritual foundation yes sir and so how would you articulate coming to christ at age 14 and not mm, before that having grown up really good you know what i'm saying yeah so I, I was around the things of christ uh proximity uh but i never walked in christ identity um and my my pop was a bible head nerd um and every so often i would see him cry out to the lord and all of that and so i saw it but that wasn't the thing I knew him for. I knew him for the text. <laughs> um, and then my mom was um, just you, a lover. You, you knew God for the text or your dad I knew, for the I text. knew my dad for the text. Got my it. dad associated with the Bible. Like, that's what I knew yeah, him for. Yeah. But in terms of, like, that heart, like, the emotion side of it, I just saw it at different places and space. And, and that helped me out a lot, honestly, when I became a believer. But it wasn't, like, the norm. And then my, my mom... Uh, I saw her more the heart side, yeah. <laughs> uh, but not as like Bible wealthy as she would call it. <laughs> uh, and um, my grandmother was like, it felt like kind of uh, a composition of both of those things. And so your my mom or your my dad's dad? My mom's mom. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, my mom's mom. And um, she was the one who introduced me to the gospel at four years old. Simple presentation. Uh, <laughs> it was real simple. She said, uh, we are all sinners. And if you die in your sin, you will go to hell forever. <laughs> but but God sent Jesus to die on the cross for your sins so that you can go to heaven forever. It was real simple. And for whatever reason, I knew that that was true what she was saying. <laughs> so to, to the grandmas listening to this or the moms or the dads, I mean, who? I'm just telling you, this brother can preach and he's having a massive impact at our conference. I know he's having a massive impact in his church and in other conferences. And for him to say the first person that presented the gospel was my grandma, and it was very simple. I mean, that should give uh, people who feel ill-equipped mm. to minister the gospel a lot of confidence that God can use what they offer. Amen. Because it was simple. And uh, what was powerful about it is I didn't even have any understanding. Well, I was four years old. And I still remember this. But I didn't have no concepts of Calvary and Jerusalem and all of I had no understanding of history like how long ago is 2000 years like i had no you, you, you didn't know that uh genesis was a precursor to exodus yeah a right, right. To the gospel none of that man that's from last night too <laughs> but for whatever reason that made sense to me what she said and so um i knew it was true but i didn't embrace it as truth um and those are two very different things yeah. and so i um kind of lived my life and again, I was around the things of God. The, the the thing, though, I would say that was the disconnect. You asked, like, how did I come to Christ at 14 and not earlier? Yeah. Was because we travel so much, it was rarely a time in my younger years where we were a part of one solid church. Got it. So if we were a part of a church, um, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah. It was a, it, it was a church. Maybe not solid in teaching. Yep, yep. Maybe not solid in uh the exposition of scripture. Um, maybe we didn't have community. So just different mm -hmm. places that we went. Um, there was one church I remember in Alaska, as I look back, I, I would say that was a pretty solid church. Um, uh, but it, it, my parents were just, it, it was always like find a church, a new church. And that, mm -hmm. we, I think we were at that church for maybe a year, mm -hmm. maybe two. So 
the the church side of things never was there and so I, I would say like the soil mm-hmm. um wasn't really there for my for my heart either yeah um and so um all my peers were not believers because I wasn't regularly in a church and right. so uh would go to church on Sunday but just didn't have those outside relationships um and then uh, so when I came to Christ, I even still came to Christ by myself in a room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Um, and yet the beautiful thing I did have was I had a dad who knew the text. Yeah. So when I did have questions in scripture, as I'm just rolling through scripture myself, I had somebody to like ask questions of, and I so appreciate my my pop for that, man. Uh, he's a military dude. He was a, uh, you know, strong dude. Um, but that dude knew the book, man. And where did he get that from? His folks? No. So my dad's testimony is crazy. My my dad was a Rasta. Um, That's right. Your name. You got to tell the story of your yes. name. Yes. Recap. <laughs> so my dad was a Rastafarian. If anybody knows what that is, Bob Marley, just think Bob Marley. Uh, it's obviously more complicated than that, but that's the easiest <laughs> yeah. association. Uh, he was... Um, he was actually a, a, a worshiper of Haile Selassie, uh, one of the emperors in Ethiopia. Um, uh, and he was really into the black power movement and all of that. And so my my brother's name is Biko Mandela after Stephen Biko and Nelson Mandela. Hmm. And then in between me and my brother, he gets converted to the Lord Jesus. And he goes just as hard in Christ as he did in Rastafarianism. Paul, Saul. <laughs> Legitimately. Like, and just started devouring the scriptures and so he gave me a very obscure biblical name recap Melchiah gray um and for the rest of my life uh i have a testimony like literally in my name so when people have to ask me like where's your name come from that's an interesting name i have to tell them the scriptures (laughs) and it's obviously just a layup and alley-oop to share the gospel so who are the recapites so the recapites they stayed away from strong drink during the time of jonah dab you can read about it in jeremiah and uh, they were blessed for it. But the, the powerful thing that God says is that he blesses them because they, they stayed away from strong drink. But it wasn't just that. It was that they listened to the word of their father. Like this generation, long, like generations removed from what th- their great grandfather had said to them. They still were doing what their great grandfather had said. And he was like, how can they listen to their their father? Mm-hmm. But my people not listen to me. Mm-hmm. And so he blessed them, obviously. But it was also uh, <laughs> like it, it was an implication on the people of Israel. Like, like you should listen to your heavenly father the way they listen to theirs. So awesome. it was um, and still, man, like I, I praise God for what my dad showed me in terms of his hunger for scripture, because when I came to Jesus, I knew what to do. I didn't know all of what to do, but I knew it was tied to this text. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I read it like a book. And so I didn't know, like, do you start in the gospel? I ain't none of that, man. I just started in Genesis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just rocked through Genesis. And I, I, it's not like I would um, uh, encourage everybody to do it like that. But I definitely wouldn't discourage it because what it did for me is that when I made it to the gospel and, and of Matthew, after spending that much time in the Old Testament. Again, yeah. I knew in some general way Jesus died on the cross. For sure. All of that. But I didn't know how he fit into the Godhead, Trinity. I ain't know none of that stuff. So as I'm reading through from Genesis to Malachi, really you see a pointer back to the Exodus and Moses. Yep. <laughs> so these thus saith the Lord's are repeated, this phrase. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, okay, the law, Moses, uh, thus saith the Lord. I, these things are heavy in my heart, the mm-hmm. Exodus. And then you encounter Jesus and he comes from the rib saying something different. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say thus saith the Lord. But he said, you have heard it said, but I say to you. Mm-hmm. When I read those words, I immediately said, yo, I found myself wanting to worship this dude because he talked different. Yeah. And I would start praying and I would find myself, I mean this with all my heart, like, like, unconsciously praying to Jesus <laughs> yeah. and I, I didn't know that I was I was actually afraid I was like blaspheming or something like that because you got all this there's only one God and all of this stuff yeah. and like I know yeah. he saved me but I don't know how all that works so I was literally like afraid but I couldn't stop wow. I just naturally started to pray and worship Jesus and how long is this after 14 right away man this is probably I mean I read the whole scripture maybe within a year and a half yep um uh from like 14 to 15 yeah. so this is probably like 15 years old yep 
So I coach basketball, uh, high school varsity team in a 1A Christian school. Let's go. Um, and so I, maybe some of my guys will listen to this, and they have hoop dreams themselves. Yeah. Um, so talk about that. Talk about basketball. Talk about what it was like laying that down. My own son, hmm. you know, when he finally graduated, he had a heart. He, he grew six inches after his senior year. I mean, we could have flipping used him, I mean, on, on our team. Oh, it, my gosh. His game and his height, the first year out of high school – was like, and he started every game for us his senior year, but we could have used that dude. And here's the kicker: is my wife and I homeschooled, yeah, and we put him in school earlier than we needed to. Wow! And so he's like, "Y'all screw me over," like, <laughs> and so, so laying down the game. Wow! And, and he wasn't some all star, but yeah. he would have been a solid player for us. His take on it, after a year to kind of dwell on mm. this, and he knows the Lord. Hmm. Is he thinks that that all might have happened because the Lord knew how distracted he would be by oh, basketball. Oh my goodness, absolutely. And, and it's time to get on with what the Lord's got for him in his life. And he's still trying to sort that out. But just for anyone listening who can identify with tears, giving up the, giving up the game they love. Well, I mean, I got a uh, not similar story, but like I, I actually eventually quit my uh, senior year. Uh, I just didn't have the same desire for it. And I went back and forth, like, wrestling with it, like, wanting to be back on the team and then, like, not wanting. And now I finally just said, man, like, I just don't have the same burning passion for it. Uh, it's harder when it's, like, it feels like it's taken away from you yeah. as opposed to, like, laying it down. Um, but I know, I've met many brothers who have had it taken away, and I've met many brothers who have laid it down. My homie Kijan, who here too, uh, was a lay it down. And um, in all of that, what I've found is that there is some number <laughs> of people God just places his hand on and says like, yeah, this sports thing is going to be for you. I'm going to use you yep. to glorify me in this way. But the amount of stuff that comes with, with sports and the athletic world it requires, if you're going to stay faithful in it, it requires an insane amount of intention with God. Mm. And if you're not in overdrive and intention with God now, mm -hmm. you could forget about it by the time you hit college and then, especially like the pros or something like that. I got to break in and just put a plug in for another podcast that we just released. Mm. It's a, a podcast with Tim Butker, who's one of our radio preachers, and his wife, Chris, and their son, Isaac, who plays in the NFL. And then Adrian, their daughter, who was a Division Three All-American basketball player. And, and we specifically designed this podcast to talk about parenting hmm. as Christians in this youth sports era. And it's nonsense. It's complete nonsense. And you just touched on some of the things we talked about. So I would refer anyone interested in that to go listen to that podcast because it's gold. And the scary, I think the scary thing is um, we as parents can unknowingly coddle an idol yes um that um that god might be actually trying to rip away from them yep and and you can sometimes see the wrestle on them but we won't allow them to wrestle with the lord on that we because we keep coddling the idol we keep saying mm -hmm. pu pushing them into in this direction and I, I do praise god that um my parents were very very cool with what kind of whichever way i i, I yeah. went they saw skills and all of that but man i i was uh it was almost like they were more excited about this hunger and drive yes. that I had in the Lord Jesus than anything else. Well, man. and now they're way more excited. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, look at this. Yes. Uh, yes so, so now I want to start going that direction. Now, yep. I, I do a little bit of preaching here and there. I ain't a world-class preacher. I wouldn't get invited to this conference. <laughs> um, but but I, I, part of my story, okay, I fell in love with great preaching here. And then the church I grew up in, there was a great evangelistic Bible preacher. Wow. And um, listening, I, I remember my parents, you know, listening to tapes from these conferences and from my church over and over. Tapes. To, yeah. <laughs> listen to preachers on the radio. Yeah. And then I remember my mom tells stories about me getting up on the banister in our house, like when their Bible study is over and like, we're going to, you know, I'm get up there and like this four-year-old acting like I'm preaching. And, and I, I <laughs> mm. also in junior high and high school, remember when I was mowing lawns, mm. I would, in my head, I would just start wow. talking this stuff. You know what I mean? Wow. And, and I didn't, it didn't, it's not like I'm focused on a text, mm. but I just start like to articulate, you know, under the hum of this mower, like how I would talk about certain things in the Bible. That's beautiful, man. So 
but but I didn't. The Lord, if He did that in me, and I'm not a world class preacher, I want to know <laughs> what He did in you yeah. <laughs> uh, to give you a love for and a, to cultivate this preaching mm. thing. Man, it, it's so many angles, and I'll try to keep it short. Um, one, the the in nat- like naturally, I'm very introverted and shy. So I always share with people like I was so shy that like my mom on Fridays would force me to call Pizza Hut. So I would talk to a stranger and just (laughs) (laughs) just to get me to talk to a stranger. And it was literally like a you don't talk, you don't eat kind of thing. So (laughs) and sometimes I'll just be like, I ain't going to eat. Are your parents Um, still alive? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Love Love the Lord. Um, Mrs. Gray, I just want to give you a shout out. Good work. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, man. Um, And so like when I'm. So when I started walking with the Lord at 14, 15, I'm making it through scripture. And then as I'm closing out my time of reading through the entirety of scripture, uh, I did my first three day food fast. Like, um, like, and you know, uh, man, I'm still a knucklehead in high school. I'm still uh, doing things I have no business doing. Getting in fights with um, dudes. Getting in fights with dudes, <laughs> like um, ladies, all of those things. Uh, 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 just, man, knucklehead but I I, there was this period of time where like the Lord was really doing something in me so I fasted and at the end of the fast I'm like I guess I'm supposed to pray this out so I just prayed to the Lord like I, I remember going upstairs and I like got on my knees I was like thank you you helped me to make it through a fast uh I guess this is it and I'm so happy to eat and uh I remember in the moment I don't have these moments all the time um I just felt this impression out of nowhere. I'm calling you to preach. And yo, it was terrifying because of how shy I was. Yeah. Like, uh, I was that dude, like I'll be in the, you know, it, it's just, yeah, it was just a real, like, I don't know how that's going to work out for real, for real. Mm-hmm. So I said, God, as you, you'll figure it out. <laughs> and I tried to do everything, even in terms of career choice away from that. So I took engineering, you don't talk to a lot of people in engineering, uh, but you make a lot more money. <laughs> and so uh, I went to school for that, got my degree in that. Um, Where'd you go to school? Temple University. Okay. Yup. But even in the middle of that, um, felt that stir again. And I'm like, man. So I remember about to walk away from school. My wife said, why don't you take a semester to study other things? I remember taking a Hebrew Bible class at Temple University, though, secular wow. university. Wow. And it did something in me. Uh, ignited another fire in me because my professor and I actually praise God for this professor uh, was an atheist yep. did not believe in God but he was Jewish ethnically yep. so okay. put all of that together yep. and he said I have two desires in this class he said desire number one I desire to teach you the Hebrew scriptures what we would call the Old Testament desire number two all those who are Christians today I hope that you will not be by the end of this class. Wow. And he actually had us like respond and like, like who, who would say they're a Christian? And so there was like, I think five of us that first uh, day of class. And uh, by the end of the class, there were two. And um, so that semester did something. And I wrestled through the concepts he was putting in front yep. of me. And I'm arguing with him in paper. I mean, it was it was a rough period, but it also ignited me like, man, how many other people are getting this? So I'm like, man, I don't know what to do with this. I just go and finish my engineering degree. And then I try to put it away again. Got a good engineering job. Everything's going good. Then I get laid off. Uh, what was your engineering job? It was actually on the naval base in Philadelphia. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I actually got laid off because of veterans preference. Uh mm-hmm. And, and then, bro, when I say the Lord frustrated the market for me, um, all the work I did at the Naval base was computer engineering. My background's mechanical, so I couldn't get a computer engineering degree, I mean, gig, because I had a mechanical engineering background and I couldn't get a mechanical engineering degree because all of my experience was in computer engineering. So, I, bro, I months just couldn't get anything. But that time period was the sweetest time I've had with Jesus mm. since coming to Christ at 14. Cool. So now I'm married. And laid off, nothing to do. My mentor takes me to Malawi, Africa. On the plane right there, he says, I'm gonna have you preach while we're out here. Terrified. I'm like, what you and I actually laugh it off. Like I'm one of those dudes like, yeah, sure. When we get there, you'll change your mind. Yeah, absolutely. And you'll figure out something else and we don't even gotta talk about it. Cause if I make a big deal out of it, then he really gonna push. So let me just chill out. 
So he tries to get me to do it. And then I'm like, oh, you really serious? No. <laughs> like, and I said no multiple times and feeling mad nervous. And um, the long story short is God did a miraculous thing while I was out there uh, that included uh, healing a young lady. Hmm. And he used that to overcome my fear of the thing, not by telling me that I'm good enough to do it, mm. but by reminding me I that he's you. with me. Yep. And, uh, yo, like literally preached my first sermon out there. Was there a text or a topic or what? Oh my goodness. You want to know how it happened? It was a soccer tournament. <laughs> and when they told me it, it was after all of this stuff had happened. I had cried tears the night before, literally a this, puddle of tears. This lady getting saved. Yeah. Yeah. Young lady named charity. I still remember her name to the day. I what died. was her deal? Uh, she actually had, um, they, they checked for HIV and malaria and couldn't find it. And so they were like, we don't know what's happening, but she was an 11 year old, but she's going to pass within the next few days because the fever keeps climbing. So they had told her mom to just kind of get ready to just uh, take, uh, to bury her. And what was interesting was the day before that, when I found that out, I had been in the villages and we stopped at this house and that same impression I got when the Lord had called me to preach when I was like 15 mm -hmm. came strong that day to pray for this house. And I just was terrified because there was too many people around. So I was like, Lord, you want me to pray in front of all these people? And I said the same thing. If this is really you, you'll make it clear. And I left and didn't pray. And I wrestled the whole night, but I tried to get over it. Sleepless night, but got over it. Next day, called me over. Uh, actually, they didn't call me over. They called the pastors over and they said, hey, pastors, pastors pastors we have an urgent need and they said oh recap you can come too <laughs> wow so i ran in and i i saw the mom and that young lady from that house not knowing what had happened and i was like my whole heart dropped and then they share what happened i just began to bawl uncontrollably and never really stopped crying until late in the night and as I'm crying before the Lord, he reminds me of Moses' call and Gideon's call and all of these calls. Like, it's not about the skill set. It's about who was with them. What were your tears about? It was about the sadness and the grief of like, I'm more afraid of what God is calling me to do than excited about his joy of being with me. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting, like we I literally just preached on yep. that very concept but that was my story man i i was i was more terrified of what he was putting before me than i was excited about who was with me mm -hmm. and uh and so I, I was sad about that because i don't want that to be the case nobody right. does right? right like we want to be obedient if you have the spirit of god right and so it's just kind of embarrassing it was sad it was uh grievous to me but also i was terrified still mm -hmm. of like but you won't let this go, Lord. It's been years now. At right. this point, it was 2012. I felt like uh, the calling happened sometime around 2004, 2005. Mm -hmm. This is like an eight-year, seven, eight-year period. Like, so I'm like, I'm like, when I say I'm like, man, you, you still won't let this go. I'm terrified that this is like really real. And um, man, next day, they're like, hey, there's a soccer tournament we're putting on. And, you know, I'm American context. Okay, soccer tournament, little kids. <laughs> like, Johnny, go the other way. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> little metal bleaches and all I'm of that. I'm still not sure I think soccer's a sport. <laughs> yeah, but. like, right, right. Oh, and at this time, I'm definitely not, right? <laughs> like, I, like, I definitely wasn't on it. I love it now, but yeah, definitely yeah. wasn't on it. And, uh, man, um, show up, and there's 200 dudes at a dirt pitch all watching these young dudes playing soccer on dirt. I'm like, what the heck is this? And I said, they can't possibly think I'm going to speak to all these people. <laughs> so I began to evangelize. I'm like, oh, they must have set this up so I can have an opportunity to share the gospel one-on-one. -on -one. So I start to do that. And I'm like, oh, that's what they wanted. <laughs> dudes are coming from every different direction. By the time the first game is over, it's like 400 dudes. And it doesn't stop. I mean, I'm literally seeing lines of people. And then they, they come to me and they say, okay, this is what we're going to do at the halftime of the next game, which is the championship game you're going to give a word. Okay. Now, mind you, the only reason I'm saying yes is because I just had a puddle of tears last night. If, had it not happened the night before, you know how time works. Oh, yeah. I would have been like, I would have thought my th say, way out of it and all of that. But mm -hmm. because of the night before, I had no choice. And it's not like I just said yes. I just started cracking up. They had no clue. I, I'm like, you would do it like this, Lord. You, yeah. you, you would do it like this. Like, <laughs> and so um, halftime comes. And I have like this short amount of period to prepare my first sermon. 
I can't use notes because I'm just walking down there. Like, it's just dirt. I have no stand or anything. So I, it's nothing I can do. Do you have a microphone? Uh, they did have... No, they did not have a microphone. Zero microphone. Zero microphone. Zero microphone. And I remember <laughs> this because... Now I can't just talk. I have to scream have to when yell. I've never, ever even done this before, man. <laughs> I love it. Bro, it was so wild. And I still have the picture to this day um, because somebody took a picture of it. I, I want to, uh, for this podcast, yeah. will you send me that picture? I will send you that picture. Yeah, I will send you that, that picture. That's going to be the picture on this podcast. <laughs> I will send you that picture. Okay. And man, uh, I walk up there. I don't know if you've ever been so nervous. Your hands are shaking. Yeah, I have. So I'm li- my Bible's literally shaking. There's no way you can read. It's embarrassing. <laughs> I, I'm shaking, and I prepared the best way I could. The only passage that was on my heart, it was Ephesians chapter 5. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, for the days are evil. And I knew there was a lot of drunkenness. He said, do not be drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And, uh, man, I just shaking my Bible. Uh, the brother who was actually translating... <laughs> praise and now he looks at me <laughs> like oh my gosh it's my turn and a calm came over me the bible stopped shaking that's cool and i began to project my voice in ways that i just i literally didn't even know was possible wow and words began to flow out of my mouth from this small preparation and stuff i never could have even thought of on the moment and god saved people went back the next year they were being discipled and uh my whole team said we know you're into this engineering thing um but i think this preaching thing is where you need to be wow and it was immediate it was it was just like that and i came back and uh shared with my wife and she said i, I just knew it for a long time this is what was on you you got Keyshawn with you right now yes sir and he's kind of a mentor yes sir or you're a Minty, mentor yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah 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 and so is part of this shaped by that experience oh always for the rest of my life and it's, it's, it's been what, what, what are you doing here? Uh, sharing, the, uh, sharing the text. Uh, we, we <laughs> I was actually just talking to my dad about this. We are constantly just walking through and talking scripture, walking through and talking scripture. And so the beautiful thing is that that's done in the midst of my life, <laughs> yeah. not just like sit down at a coffee shop. Like Jesus did. <laughs> kind of like somebody yeah. else did. <laughs> you know, when I was in college, yeah. I, I got... I got discipled, mm. and it was great. Yeah. I mean, a, a guy, a doctor in town, we memorized Romans 8 and Romans mm. 1 together. We had some oh, great beautiful. Time. But it was maybe an hour, hour and a half, two hours maybe mm. weekly mm. at the student union. Mm. And God bless Rick Bremner. I mean, that guy had a huge impact on my life. But it's not discipleship the way Jesus did it. There's a life on lifeness to traveling together, to having discussions, to going out for dinner, to having fun, going to a baseball game, whatever you do. But as life happens... You just kind of take it and uh, interpret it and respond to it through a biblical lens. It's, it's inherent accountability because discipleship requires you to say this phrase, follow me as I follow Christ. Mm. But if you can't actually say that with integrity, right. <laughs> you will never truly make disciples right? <laughs> because you don't want them around your life <laughs> Yeah, because you're actually afraid that if they follow what you're doing, right. they'll actually see something that they shouldn't see. That's right. And so what it does is like my whole life is open. He sees me with my kids. He sees me when that stuff is not going well. What's, what's the, um, how's this all set up? Like, does he stay at your house? Nah. Does he-, uh, he stays at a, uh, another couple's house right now. Uh, obviously used to live on his own, all that, but uh, stays at another couple's house right now. Uh, but he just comes through and, and, and literally come through at night. We'll talk, chill, play games, mm-hmm. talk some more, pray, mm-hmm. read, like it, cry, mm-hmm. laugh. It is just, le- it is legitimately like, like my, take care of my kids. <laughs> like they life life. L- literally life on life. And, um, when I say, man, like God is by the grace of God, giving me a few brothers throughout the years that this has been. And I look back as Paul does as like, man, these are crowns. Um, he, he says to the church of Philippi, you are my crown, my joy. And I have brothers who are like pastors now cool. who are ministry leaders now. Is this yeah. uh, like for a determined time or just kind of indefinite or what do you do? They know. And, and we know yeah. Uh, that, yeah, that time, that, that, that season of what it looks like is over <laughs> yeah and it's now time that you are now doing this with other people and you could just feel it you can tangibly see it you mm-hmm. can 
Um, and it, the the prayer is that it doesn't like stop and then start. The prayer is that that already starts as we're still going. Yeah. But uh, which is so Kijan, uh, just a leader already in the in the congregation. Um, but man, the when you see the Lord's hand on somebody and you just get to have life on lifetime with it. Cool. Uh, what a better way than than to give your life, man. Um, preaching. Okay, yeah. so you go to Malawi, you have this experience, mm. you turn the corner from engineering to preaching. Yep. Then obviously you get some training, some education. I mean, you can talk about that or talk about the key. You know, once you're kind of honed in on, okay, I'm going to preach now, I would imagine you start listening to dudes. Yep. Um, different guys have a huge impact on you. Kind of talk through some of that. So I had, I was blessed, man. And I, I will say this is one of the most important things I'll say on this. I was blessed to have a pastor who had been a seminary, studied Greek and Hebrew and all of that, who told me to hold off on seminary because he wanted me to fall in love with the church first um, before I fell in love with theology uh. because he because he did not want theology to just come become theory. Mm. He wanted it to always be practical. Mm. So by the time I went to seminary, I went to RTS and then finished at Midwestern in uh, Kansas City. By the time I went to seminary, everything that I was taken in was immediately being applied because I was coming in as a minister of the gospel already, mm-hmm. not as one who was theoretically thinking about what it would be like to minister. Mm-hmm. And man, I praise God for Larry Smith in Philadelphia doing that and another brother who's uh far more well known so i'll just try to uh keep that off yeah. uh, uh but those two brothers um did the best thing by holding off on seminary for me the second thing he taught me how to preach in this way he didn't show me all the ins and outs but he gave me the best advice ever he gave me a book by um brian chapel gospel mm-hmm. center preaching he preached here before Okay, yeah. all right. Yeah. <laughs> Great preaching too. Yeah. Um, and I didn't have to read through the whole book, but the primary stuff was the need, the just the structure of it. it needs to be an intro, explanation, illustration, application, those kinds of things. But the the main thing was that there needs to be a text you're preaching from. Yeah, and you need to dig into that text. And I when I first heard that, I was like, oh, the text, scripture, yeah, all the scripture. And, so I remember pre- preparing a pre uh, a sermon on uh, Hang on a yeah. Hey David, you're fine making noise. <laughs> you're good. You remember preaching through a text? Yeah. So I remember preparing a sermon on love, <laughs> and it was it was funny because um I shared it with him. And I was like, look at all this scripture. And he was like, what's your text? I was like, I got a bunch of them. He's like, no, what's your text? <laughs> I was like, all of the Bible. You proof texting it? Yeah, bro. He was all like. You can do so much damage. And he said, what you have here is sound, but you can do so much damage because you can pick and choose what aspects you want to talk about. But instead, get into the mind and heart of the writer so that you can present to the people of God what the Holy Spirit inspired this person to say. And yo, change my life. good stuff. So now I'm like taking texts. And I, I remember after that, I preached Isaiah 8 random text but i fell in love with the text yes and oh my goodness man like it it just unlocked the world for me but that was the next major step in my preaching and i would say the thing that then was like you know there's layers to these shifts the thing that shifted so that was word centered preaching had this book on preaching then this word centered text driven preaching and then the thing that took it to the next notch was i preached for a brother um about four hours away in a place called Katanning, PA, never hear of it. Uh, Pastor Mike Griner, uh, all the way out there being a faithful preacher, love him to death. Uh, if you ever hear this, man, love you, appreciate you. Uh, Cause he said the meanest thing he ever said to me <laughs> and it changed my preaching life. I preached on Isaiah 53 and at the end of it, I had preached for him out of John's gospel, like the year before uh, one time. And then uh, this time I was preaching on Isaiah 53. He said, hey, excellent exegesis, horrible sermon. <laughs> I was like, yo, really? Like, dang, he coming at me. He said, you never preach the gospel. And I was like, mm. wait, what you mean? Isaiah 53. Yeah, you like the guy. It's not Think the about it. It's yeah, like, like it's Isaiah 53. Like there's no, like it don't get more gospel than that. Who has believed what he's heard from us to who has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Like Bruce for our transgression. Like this is the gospel passage of the Old Testament. <laughs> 
And I'm like, what you mean? So I went back and listened. And I, I, I could like find places where I was trying to find disagreement. And I see a little Jesus here and there. But it was so sprinkled that I got his point. And for whatever reason, I'm so glad to God that that happened. That was my third sermon in the U.S. that I had ever preached. Wow. <laughs> Praise God it was only my third. Yep. And it took three years for me to preach three sermons, by the way. So <laughs> for, mm -hmm. the, for other people out there, like, it's not even just about reps. It's totally. about a life lived with the Lord. Yo, God used that to change my life. Mm -hmm. And it, it, he birthed in me a commitment that never again will anyone have to search for the gospel in my preaching. Mm -hmm. It will be the most explicit, loud thing you mm -hmm. will ever hear from me. I love it. And uh, from that point on, it became like preaching Jesus. And and then uh, now where I'm at, uh, after listening to tons of preachers, at that time, I was listening to your Matt Chandler's, H.B. Uh, Charles, mm -hmm. Brian LaRitz was probably my favorite preacher, who I know has been in this conference mm -hmm. as well. Uh, I think he's just brilliant as a preacher. Uh, then got put on to guys like Charlie Dates. And then I just started expanding, listening to guys I wouldn't necessarily like their preaching style, but um, I see what they're doing exegetically. So like dudes like Dr. Stephen Lawson, John MacArthur, just listening to dudes like that. Dudes I might even even agree with in a lot of areas, but just got, I just want to get my hands on everything. And then I listen to orators, dudes that might be heretical. Like yeah. the, the Stephen Furtick, T.G. Jakes, wherever you yeah. put those guys on the list or whatever. Yeah. Um, at times, I wouldn't say they're heretical. I just, at times or whatever. But um, what, I, what I discovered in myself is like, there's no ceiling for how far you can go in preaching Yeah. because there's no ceiling to the inexhaustibility of God. Yeah. So now yeah. I'm like, all the creative stuff just starts to flow and and yet as the creativity starts to flow never losing the foundation mm -hmm. and so i've now come up with four e's of preaching that i think i don't care about style at the end of the day praise god if anybody thinks my preaching is beautiful but right at the end of the day, these four E's, I do believe, are apostolic and biblical. And this is just through years and years of searching. I was about to do my PhD actually on preaching, decided to do it on uh, biblical studies um, to do more exegetical work. But the four E's of preaching to me are explain the scriptures, exhort the church, mm. exalt the Savior, all empowered by the Spirit of God. Ah, uh, love it. So what this means is every sermon should do these four things, I yeah. believe they should explain the text. Mm -hmm. This means this should actually be real teaching. Tell the people what the text is actually saying to mm -hmm. them. Not what you wanted to say, not what you came in thinking it should say, but what it actually says. Explain yep. the scriptures. But then it should not be left there as a commentary, but it should make a call to the church. This means our preaching should actually convict. It should not be a couch potato sermon where somebody can come in and feel like they're able to sit on a lazy boy because they're so comfortable. Mm -hmm. It should make them uneasy because the word of God should make the flesh uneasy and it should exhort the church. But as you exhort the church and people are feeling convicted, there's a fine line between conviction and condemnation and that fine line has been made for us. It's called the cross. Mm, yeah. What 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 is conviction other than condemnation with the cross? Amen. <laughs> because the Holy Spirit is saying you're wrong. Amen. <laughs> in condemnation, the Holy Spirit is saying you're wrong. The distinction, when he says you're wrong in conviction, the cross has already covered the penalty. When he says you're wrong in condemnation, and that's only for those who refuse the cross, mm. he's saying you're wrong and there's nothing to pay for it <laughs> mm -hmm. other than your own soul. Wow. So if that's true, it should be just as convicting as a quote unquote condemning message because yeah. that's what the law does. But then you drive them to the cross. Now they're thirsty for Jesus. Amen. Now they need Jesus. It's not just an add on yep. to their normal lives. Now they need the savior. And now you tell them, yeah, we should be condemned. Apart from Christ, we are dead in our sins. Paul don't ever try to water it down. He says, no, it's bad. It's bad, bad. But you know what? But he's good. He's good, good. Mm. And he brings them to Jesus every time. Think of the church at Corinth. He don't water it down. No, it's bad. It's bad, bad. But he's good. He's good, good. Driving mm -hmm. all the way to 1 Corinthians 15. What was their whole problem? They didn't believe in the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So he says, I want to remind you of what is in first importance. Mm -hmm. How often do we not give people of what is first importance mm -hmm. in the most important place in the, in the service, which is the sermon. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, so good. I heard Jesus 
Jesus's words, and this is the last thing I'll say. And he says to the Pharisees and scribes, you search the scriptures because in them you believe that they have life, but they testify of me. And I say to myself, okay, the Pharisees and scribes did the exegesis, <laughs> but they didn't exegete <laughs> with Jesus. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. So exegesis without Jesus is actually lifeless preaching. <laughs> yes. Because if that is where the life is found, is he, if he is the resurrection and the life, the way, the truth, and the life, if he is the life, then there is a way to, in a dead way, preach this book. <laughs> Amen. So how do you preach this book in a non-dead way? Always make sure that the greatest thing people walk away with is not what they need to do, not how they need to work, not what effort they need to put in, but point them to the one who has already put in all the effort for them and with them and has risen from the dead to empower them to do what they never could have done on their own. Amen. Yeah. That's, uh, I, I look back at some of my earlier preaching and it was, it was a lot of moralism. Yeah not a lot of gospel yeah and uh evidently you got that beat out of you after your third sermon <laughs> listen uh we're gonna wrap it up because recap's going out here to preach a little bit yeah. um great testimony uh great challenge and a little bit of homiletics class <laughs> and thank you so much not only for being on this podcast but for coming back to iowa yeah. i'm sure you'll get invited again man so blessed Keyshawn, you always got a home here okay <laughs> all right hey thanks guys god bless you i appreciate it the CC Podcast Conversations is part of Christian Crusaders Radio and Internet Ministry, started in 1936 and is one of America's longest-running radio ministries. We are 100% donor-funded, and donations to our ministry are tax-deductible. So if you are encouraged, challenged, or inspired by today's conversation, please consider making a donation on our website, christiancrusaders.org, or mail a check to Christian Crusaders, 7401 University Avenue, Cedar Falls, Iowa, 50613. In addition to our other podcasts, which I mentioned at the front of this episode, I want to mention two of our other ministry partners worth checking out. First, the Cedar Falls Bible Conference, equipping believers with the truth of God's Word since 1922. Visit cedarfallsbibleconference.com for free access to previous conference content or for more information about upcoming events. Second is Power to Change Digital Strategies, an online ministry partnering volunteer Christian mentors with people around the world searching the internet for answers. If you or someone you know could benefit from an anonymous online conversation with a caring Christian adult, go to issuesiface.com. Or if you would like to be a volunteer Christian mentor, please visit p2cdigital.com. That's the letter P, the number two, and the letter C, digital.com. See our episode notes for details and links, and remember to subscribe, leave a five-star rating, and write a review. God's richest blessings to you, and thanks again for listening.